Thanks for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast, where we talk all about Pittsburgh Pirates baseball. My name is Josh. His name is Jake. Root, root, root for our home team. (laughs) Remember that song? Love it. (laughs) Spring training games have started, man. We're going to get into what we've seen so far in three days. And we're also going to get into a hot topic in baseball right now. Sparked by the comments of the Seattle Mariners, former president and CEO, Kevin Mather. We're going to dig deep into what all this means, but you definitely want to stick around for this. Before we get started today, I'm going to plug a little bit of the socials here. Find us on Facebook, Bridge to Bucktober, comment on stuff, send us messages, because the more we get from you the more we can use that to talk about things here. We want to make sure that we're talking about things that you want to hear about. This is, you know, a fan podcast. So, you know, like we we keep saying, join the discussion. Like that's literally what we mean. Go hit us up on the Facebook page. Also Twitter, also Instagram, whenever we get to, to start to post stuff on there as well. But join the discussion. Even if you think we're wrong, throw it out there. Yeah, um, especially... If, well, no, I'll say not necessarily, especially <laughs> you can also tell us it's a breath of fresh air. If you think we're positive, I've already had a cousin say you're too positive. <laughs> <laughs> we so get we, we may be a little guilty of being too positive, but Hey, we're pirates fans. We're just trying to be hopeful. We're trying to look forward to things, right? That's right. That's all we understand. I mean, like, yes, we were positive and we were like happy to talk about what we were talking about. But we also both argued on whether or not we were going to lose 100 games. So, I mean, we understand this is going to be a rough year. So I don't want to sound like like I'm oblivious to reality, but teetering with 100 losses is still a really bad season. Yeah. But there's going to be a lot of good things that comes out of this year. I, I would say we hope there's a lot of good things that comes out of this year. Touche. And if you're a fan of a team then what's the harm in hoping? As a matter of fact, if you don't hope for the future, you may as well just like a different team. I mean, that's a harsh reality, but it's a reality for sure. It's possible. I don't know. Anyway, let's see if we can instill a little bit of hope in you today. Just a little bit of hope in you. Maybe not today, but maybe throughout this season and throughout this podcast, just like Just keep tuning in. If you think we're crazy, then just sit there and laugh about the things we're talking about. I'd be all right with that. Hey, guys, spring training games have started. Gregory Polanco and Todd Frazier hit home runs in the first game. (laughs) Hey, you know what? These these are I'm going to throw this out there real quick. Two guys I've been down on already on this podcast. Hey, come out. Prove me wrong. Todd Frazier. Go get it. Go get it. I'm I'm fine. Polanco. Prove me wrong. I Todd Frazier see you also perform. hit a home run this afternoon. Yeah, yeah. He's two for four with two home runs. <laughs> Swing it, kid. That's fine. <laughs> Welcome aboard. I also I also watched a little bit of that 30 for 30 on MLB Network. He's already changing my opinion. <laughs> Family man. He's got three kids. They said, 
where are you going to travel if you could take this bus anywhere you want? He goes, ah, me and the kids are going to Disney World. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, he's not who I thought he was. I'm willing to admit it. He's got that Jersey swag to him that can come off as overconfident. Anyway. Anyway. I'm good, so. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Anthony Alford knocked a home run Monday afternoon. Dude, I watched the video of that. His swing looked good. I know everybody's swing looks good when they hit home runs, but I mean, for what it's worth, it was a smooth swing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that I think that this center field fight could get interesting because last I heard, Anthony Alford was like banged up a little bit, and then all of a sudden he's banging a home run. So I don't really know. But Brian Goodwin hit 17 home runs not too long ago. So I mean, there's a little bit of pop in his bat too. Sure. What I've read about Anthony Alford is. He, it's his arm, it's his elbow, his throwing elbow, and he hasn't been throwing a lot on the, I believe he hit that home run as the DH. Okay, that's Because he's not playing the field right now. That's fair. Uh, so, I mean, swinging the bat, he's fine, but throwing a ball, he's still, he's throwing. He's get he's close. So here's the thing about Anthony Alford. He came over last year, was it a trade? Uh, why can't I remember that? Wasn't it a, like a, Waiver claim? I was thinking it was like Rule 5 or something. That wouldn't have been Rule 5 because he's been in the majors. It was either like a waiver claim or some kind of small trade or something like that. But anyway, Anthony Alford, was he was with the Blue Jays, and he's like a former like top prospect. I'm pretty sure he was like a round one pick. I don't really remember that exactly, but he was like a guy that the Blue Jays couldn't wait to get to the majors, and then he got to the majors and it just never worked. And so like... There's talent there. Like there was a time when his athleticism and his performance made people believe that he was like the next big thing. So you just never know if these guys are going to find something like that, then it's possible that they find it and he ends up being okay. Right. (laughs) If he can go from a whatever he is to like a three win player or a four win player, then, hey, you know, maybe that's what keeps us from losing 100 games i don't know (laughs) hey i mean i think he could help us out you know yeah i think somebody will because whoever ends up there has earned the spot in this spring you know what i'm saying so like you know maybe it works out but okay august 27th 2020 was selected off waivers by the pirates from the blue jays okay so he was just dfa'd or something and they just or release waivers or something like that they basically gave up on him and we said, we'll give you a chance because we don't have anybody to play center field. But um, I know that we said we said a lot of names. So the, just to clear up, the first two episodes that we did were actually recorded all at once. And then we kind of went in and chopped it into two so that we could release it the way that we did. But um, we said a lot of names and I realized that Maybe that went by really quick. So if if you're looking at anything and you're just saying, you know what, I'm not going to pay attention to all these guys. That's fine. Let's just pay attention and make some of these top players that we want to watch. You know what I mean? Key Brian Hayes, Brian Reynolds, Kevin Newman, Cole Tucker, Mitch Keller. And we've already, I think we're, I think we're kind of watching this Todd Frazier situation. Yeah. But anyway, Just to update here, it's only been three games. Some of these guys have only played in one, one and a half games. But 
we're going to keep you updated on these players. That way, if you're not paying attention to spring training games, which I get, just keep listening. We'll keep you updated on these players. Key Brian Hayes, so far, actually, like, even though I'm like, hey, it's not going to be what, I mean, he's two for five. He's got two doubles. He's spraying the ball to the opposite field, and it looks good. And he got out on a ball today, this afternoon, that was that was hit good to right center. Um, so two doubles walk RBI, Brian Reynolds. Uh, he had good at bats today, but didn't get a hit. So still over three. He's walked twice. Kevin Newman played a little second today, which I like to see because that's what I'm hoping ends up happening. He's two for four with a couple walks. Uh, Cole Tucker just played in the one game. He was over three with a strikeout. Uh, Mitch Keller got an inning. Uh, I think he pitched the first inning the other day on Monday. He pitched an inning, gave up three hits, two runs, and struck a guy out. So not great, but I didn't see it. So I don't know if like, I don't even know what they looked like. Todd Frazier, two for four, two home runs and a walk. And he actually looks like he's hunting the ball. Yeah. He looks like he's going at it. I feel like most of these guys are like, yeah, I'm getting hits. I'm trying to get my timing and it's whatever. He looks like he's like hunting it. Like he's on a mission. Yeah. He, he mentioned on, on the, uh, 30 for 30 today. He says, you know what? I had to come into this fighting for a spot. He said, I worked really hard this off season. He says, I'm usually not one to get off to a fast start, but I worked hard this off season because I knew he said, I remember what it was like trying to fight for a spot. Not sure if the team's going to let you play or not. He said, I had to get back to it. I thought it was interesting. Ben Sherrington today said that Todd Frazier and Philip Evans, who's a guy that we've had for like a couple of years, he kind of showed up a little bit last year before he got hurt, but he played a lot of third last year. I feel like they're like the same, they're going for the same job, but Sherrington kind of alluded to the fact that like both of them could have a place on this team, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. I didn't think that both of them could make it. A couple of the prospects that I know we've brought up yet. Uh, O'Neill Cruz and Nick Gonzalez. Nick Gonzalez got one at bat. He's 0 for 1. O'Neill Cruz, 1 for 2 with a walk. I saw a Travis Swaggerty bat at bat today. Travis Swaggerty is one of our center field prospects. And he, I mean, they didn't, they, the minor leagues didn't play last year. And I thought that the Swaggerty at bat looked like he hasn't played in a year. Yeah. He took a breaking ball inside, spit on it. I'm fine with that. The dude comes back with a fastball and it looked like it surprised him. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I know they had John Wayner on there today and he said, I don't know. It's probably going to take these guys a hundred at bats to really get their timing down. I don't know if that's, I mean, it depends too. If, the, if they've gotten to play other yeah. games, you know what I mean? Like then maybe not quite that many, but. Yeah, I don't know. I'll take it's his word for it. <clears throat> Dude, spring training's weird this year, right? It, yeah, it is. The rules for this year. You want to take us through some of those? Sure. So the game or innings can end whenever the coaches want to an extent. Yeah. So they're starting out. They're saying, okay, these games are scheduled for seven innings, but you're allowed to only go five. If you want to shorten it. If you want to shorten the game. 
you want to lengthen it, you're allowed to go the nine innings. I believe the Pirates game, the first game was eight. They went ahead and went eight innings because they had more guys they wanted to get work. Yeah, today was a five-inning game. Yeah, yeah, today was five. But And both both managers have to come to an agree, agree. Agreeance? Agreement? Agreement? Yeah. Both managers have to agree. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that one. Both managers have to agree on the length of the game. It's not just... Oh, I'm home team. I say seven, seven innings. Yeah. No, nah, you, you got to reach a decision. So this if, is, uh, this is games from now till March 13th. Yes. Okay. So this will all change. But if you run a pitcher out there and he gets over his 20 pitches that you need him to get work in, doesn't matter the situation. There could be bases loaded, one out. He's thrown 23 pitches. You're like, we're good. He got his work in. Let's just flip sides. Yeah, so that's, I think the way that they're wording that is like retiring the side rule is relaxed. So here's the thing. Can you end this inning if you're, not if you're hitting, right? Sure. Just if you're on defense and the pitcher has to at least throw 20 pitches. Yes. There has to be an at-bat that's finished. And then they can just say, I'm done. We actually had this happen against the Pirates. And then today we did it for the Pirates. But like the one of the games that we quote unquote won, we had two guys on and they were like, now nah, we're good. We're going to end the inning right there. I was actually watching the Dodgers game on Sunday. They had this exact, exact situation come up. They had bases loaded and two outs. I forget who the pitcher was, but I, he had 23 pitches, I think it was, 23, 24 pitches, and they just happened to be showing the dugout. Dave Roberts looked at the umpire, made eye contact, and just held up one finger. One more batter. So no matter what was going to happen with that at bat, that was going to retire the side. Now, he ended up getting the strikeout. It was either strikeout or just like a, a lazy ground ball, something like it. But he got out of the inning uh, unscathed. But I just thought I, I thought it was a little interesting, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's just an idea that like they're getting their work in, and that's all that really matters. The, it, we we say all the time that spring training game wins and losses don't matter at all. It's never mattered less <laughs> in this case, <laughs> right? Right. You know what I mean? Because like now it's like, well, I guess it just doesn't. I mean, it literally doesn't matter. Because you could be up six to four with one out in the inning and have 25 pitches on your pitcher and then say, now nah, we're done. We're, we won. <laughs> That's all we needed. It's crazy. So then after March 14th. The games are scheduled for nine innings. And they can shorten it. And you can shorten it to seven. Okay. That makes Again, sense. Again, both managers have to agree. Okay. And I don't know if that side retire, uh, I think that that, that uh, relaxation of the side retired then goes away at that point. I think so. I think so. I don't really remember. So yeah. more than ever, spring training wins and losses do not matter. The only thing that matters is how your guys are competing. Yeah. Hey, if you don't feel like watching the games, just keep listening and we'll keep you updated on these players. Shoot us a comment on Facebook or something and, let us know if there's anybody that you want to know about. And we'll just bring it up if you just want to get your news right here. Hey, next up, we're going to talk about a hot topic. 
flooding the MLB news world and what this could mean down the road for a team like the Pirates. Hey guys, Josh here. You're listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. If you like what you hear, go down, click on the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. Go ahead and tell your friends about it too. All right, so uh, if you've been paying attention to any of the news going around, the Seattle Mariners, former now, he stepped down, president and CEO, he was meeting with like the Rotary Club in Seattle. Such a weird way for something like this to happen. Speaking of the Rotary Club, I don't know if these are his boys or what the deal is, but he's on video. Like this is a Zoom call or something. Yeah. He had to know it was being recorded. Right. Yeah. So he's opening his mouth, but he says a lot of things that rubbed people the wrong way. A lot of things that are now like kind of looking super bad on the Mariners, but mostly him. Uh, mentioned that Kyle Seeger is, oh, this is his last year with us. He's o- he's overpaid. It's like, oh, okay. You're just going to come right out and say that. <laughs> he made comments about like foreign players not learning or knowing English. And at one point saying he was tired of paying a translator that you just need to learn how to speak English. And it's like, all right, that's, that's very interesting that he's just, and the thing is, is about those comments is he wasn't even asked. He was just like, because one of them was like a prospect. He was like, tell me about this prospect. And he said, ah, he's a very confident kid. He can't speak English. And it's like, oh, why does that even come up? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of like Starling Marte used to do interviews in Spanish. He spoke English, but he would do his interviews in Spanish. And a reason was, is because he, he felt like when he spoke in broken English that he knew, he felt like he sounded dumb and he didn't want to come across as dumb because he's not right. So right. he just was like, well, let me just show you that I can just answer these questions completely fluently. And then you can hear from him what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have a problem with that. No, I, mean, I don't understand a, that's, that's how of... you have a problem with that. Here's the thing. If you, I mean, I can't say that. I was going to say, if you have a problem with it, don't sign those guys. But that's obviously not the right way to go about it either. Right. <laughs> but anyway, he also mentioned that he will not let his employees park in the parking lot right beside the field because he'd rather sell those spots to fans for 40 bucks. So he makes his employees park like two blocks away and then complain that that area of town isn't very nice. Dude, you're just saying this stuff. Yeah. And then he also made a comment about free agents and he's like, oh, we just figure if we wait long enough, they'll, they'll be, they'll come begging for a contract and we won't have to sign them to their deal. To which Josh Donaldson said, Hey man, thank you. You just said what we knew was going on, but nobody had said yet. Right. So they just gave the players all kinds of ammo. We'll bring that up about the CBA later. The thing that we want to talk about, though, is the comments that he made about calling people up last year, saying we were not going to call players up last year because we didn't want to start their clock, quote unquote. And then also he talked about like a couple of his big prospects because I'm pretty sure they have like two of the top five or top 10 prospects in all of baseball. And he's like, yeah, this guy will be with us. I mean, not till mid April, but he'll be with us this year. 
And you're like, that was very specific. And then in one guy, he was like, you'll see him soon. Not this year. You'll see him in 2022. And it's like, you already know this. So that one's rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. But because we are pirate fans, that's the one that we want to key in on. And it has to do with surface time manipulation. So we're going to we're going to go through this process to understand like what in the world. And if you already know this sweet, you'll, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. But we've had this situation in Pittsburgh several times, but you probably heard most about it with like Chris Bryant and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and guys like that. So anyway, I'm going to read straight from MLB.com and we're going to link this in the show notes if you if you want to go check this out. But. I'm going to read this directly from their site. What is service time? Players receive major league service time for each day spent on the 26 man roster of the major league injured list. Wait a minute. That was wrong. Each day spent on the 26 man roster or the major league injured list important to players and clubs alike. Service time is used to determine when players are eligible for arbitration and free agency. So we'll get into all that. It continues. Each major league regular season consists of 187 days, typically 183 days prior to 2018. And each day spent on the active roster or the injured list earns a player one day of service time. Under the 2017 through 2021 collective bargaining agreement, the CBA, any player who violates the drug program will no longer receive major league service time during a suspension unless the suspension is reduced by 20 or more games under the blah, 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 blah. That part doesn't matter. A player is det- <laughs> a player is deemed to have reached one year of major league service. This is the important part. One year of major league service upon a- accruing 172 days, whether in a single year or accumulated across multiple years. Though a typical regular season lasts 183 or 187, as it said up there, days, the most a player can accumulate in one year is 172 days. So basically what they're saying here, correct me if I'm wrong, in order to get one full year of service, you have to play or you have to be on the roster or the injured list for 172 days. Yes. But once you've reached 172, that doesn't keep counting. In one calendar year, it doesn't keep counting. So once you get to 172, you have one year of service. It stops right there. In one year, I think, is is basically in in one calendar year. Key Brian Hayes has like, you know, 25 days or whatever. Then if he plays 100, if he's on the team for 172 days this year, then he'll actually have a year and 25 days because he'll, he'll be able to get that full 172 this year Yes. That said, Key Brian Hayes is one of those guys that you say, well, could they manipulate his service time by keeping him back? Well, if they did, it wouldn't be mid-April. They'd have to hold him back. If Let's say he is, he's been on the roster for 100, or let's say he's been on there for 25 days. They'd have, he'd only be able to play 150 something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Days on the roster. And then they're not going to do that. He's going to be there opening day. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. But that would be an example. So that is what they're saying is being manipulated. Is that whole piece about how many days equal one year. 
because, and it says after that, upon reaching six years of major league service, a player becomes eligible for free agency at the end of that season. Once you get that number to six. So if you only, if you're only there for 160 some, then after your sixth season, you actually only have like 5.8 something uh, of yeah, service whatever time. The, whatever that math turns out to be. Right. But yeah. You're under six. Yeah. You're not at six yet, which means you still have, I still have control of you and we're going to do the arbitration dance. That's why this is, I mean, players want to get to that free agency spot where they can go sign that first contract where they can pick where they go, sign the deal that they want to sign, all that good stuff. There's another piece to this. Players with at least three, but less than six, are eligible for a salary arbitration process, which basically means if we don't agree to a contract for this one year, then I come up with something, the team comes up with something, and we send it to some arbitrator, some judge that says, I'm going to side with one side or the other. Sometimes those get ugly. You want to try to avoid that arbitration if you can. So that's anybody when they get to like three years of service. So three. So if you have six years of control, your fourth, fifth, and sixth year, you've negotiated an actual contract. Your first three years are considered renewable years, and they basically can just renew your contract for like as low as 90% of last year's contract. They could actually lower you 10%. But most of the time, I think the Pirates actually have a stance on this. I think they're like, we give a 5% increase, a 10% increase or something like that. Like they actually have like a specific increase that they give every one of their players in the first three years. And this way it's not, well, you gave him this much. they, They just give the same, I think. Now I don't, obviously with Sherrington, I don't know if that exists still the same way. Right. I have no clue, but let me see here. So it says, okay, so there's another piece to that. And this one's really crazy. And if you, if you can't, if you're not like, if you don't care enough to follow this, then just wait till we get into the next thing. Cause this can get a little tricky each year. MLB identifies the group of players that ended the prior season with between two and three years of major league service. So these would be still in renewable. But if you're between two and three years of major league service and at least 86 days, then you go into this pool of players that all meet that requirement. And MLB takes the top, according to service time, the top 22% of that group and says, you guys are arbitration eligible a year early and they're considered uh, they they call it the super two. So that's a super two player. And what these super two players basically, they still six years of, of control, but they get like four years of arbitration, which yeah. is a benefit to that player for the situations where these guys are manipulating service. If you call up a guy in mid April because you want that extra year of control, he still could become a super two player. And this is where the pirates come in. Because they've waited to call guys up in like mid-June. They've done this in the past a lot. So when they call a guy up in mid-June, they're actually avoiding that Super 2 deadline. They even play that game because the Pirates aren't just like, we want another year of control. The Pirates are like, we don't want to pay you, right? I mean, that's what we know. That's That's the whole complaint about us is that we say, dude, fork over the money. You're making a ton of money and the players aren't getting it. And that's that's our thing. That's our pet peeve. 
you're making the money and you're pocketing it all or or whatever, but the players aren't getting it. The, the actual product on the field, the, the, you know, the guys we go to watch, yeah. they're the ones that aren't getting the money. The guys we buy the jerseys of. The guys we buy the jerseys of. They're not getting the money. <laughs> so the whole thing, the whole thing is team control. They've got control of you for six years, three years of renewal, three years of arbitration, unless that Super 2 thing falls in. If a player is held back in his first year, we talked about this, he'll finish with less than six years. They got control for one more year. There's a clear motivation to hold a guy back to get one more year of control. If you're a team who says, I can't compete in free agency, then that's appealing to have that guy for one more year. Yeah. Okay. How about for the player? Well, once a player reaches arbitration, he can negotiate with only his team, but he can negotiate a contract for that year. And if they can't agree, they do the whole arbitration dance and somebody either gets mad or just gets paid, whatever that everybody thinks. Once he's at six years, free agent, open market. He can do whatever he wants, go wherever he wants to go, whatever fits him the best. Not necessarily always most money, but where he wants to go the best. Here's where I want. Okay, so we covered all of that. I hope that I didn't fly too fast through it. But here's the good thing about a podcast. Back it up. You can even slow me down. If there's something that you missed, back it up. Try to get it. If there's something that you're that you're missing, go ahead and let me know. There's actually more to it than that. If you go on that link, there's things about 10 and 5 rights, about guys who have been in the league for 10 years. There's all kinds of rules about service time. But the biggest one that that we're talking about is this, the manipulation of when they come into the league. Yeah. Their clock. Yeah, yeah. And that's what they're saying when they say start their clock. Exactly. They're saying... Well, their their service time clock, the the clock's ticking. We're going to lose this player, basically. Yeah. And so for a team like the Pirates this year, if we're not going to be competitive, you'd rather not start the clock on one of the players that you think is going to be a part of the future. So this is one of the arguments. I'm actually kind of like, I get that. So if I'm not ready to win, I may as well wait. Could you imagine having... Brian Giles, who was a competitive player and was good, but he was on a really bad team. So what good was it? Now, that was a completely different situation because he'd already been in the league. Yeah. But, you know, you you see what I'm saying, though, like if you bring up McCutcheon and he's playing really well, but the team's losing 105. Oh, that actually happened. Yeah. But you see the point, like he got his seasoning in and then he went on to win. So they started him a little bit late, but we'll get into how they avoided all of this mess with him in a little Mm -hmm. bit, but like holding a player back and manipulating this time gets that team to keep a player for one more year, which makes sense. Like I actually understand that argument. And here's the other thing. It's not illegal. Like there's nothing wrong with it. Well, it's not that there's nothing wrong with it. It's not against the rules. I think there's an ethics thing. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's an ethics piece that that's the whole argument. I heard, uh, I was listening to the, I believe it was the North Shore Nine podcast and they were just like, dude, on MLB The Show, I'm going to manipulate service time every single time. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the park baseball, I'm manipulating service time. 
Well, and those are video game pieces, so it makes it a little easier to, to deal with. But it, I mean, it is. There's a true advantage there. So even to go as far as like avoiding Super 2, which the pirates have done, even that makes sense in this in the case of like saying, well, it's cost effective. And if I'm not winning in 2021, then I could understand holding a guy back. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was held back for this service time thing. But Fernando Tatis in 2019, opening day, he was on the team. So you could kind of see like both of those teams were planning on being competitive, but the Blue Jays may have been just another year away. So they were like, nah, I think it's important. But like the Padres were like, if he gets me an extra win in those first 15 days of the year or first, yeah, 15 days, right? 187 to 172. So somewhere around there, if he can get me an extra win during that time and we make the playoffs by that one game, then I'm calling him up because we're ready to win right now. He can help me win games in these 15 days. I was reading up on this a little bit and the Chris Bryant, one of the biggest ones that's happened in recent recent history. Yeah, because he cried about said, it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he accounted for, uh, these numbers are not 100% accurate, but the important ones are going to be really, really close. He he accounted for like X amount of runs over the course of his hundred and however many games he played. And when they broke that down, so he missed nine games, I believe it was in that season. Nine I think games. it was nine games. The first nine games he didn't play, he would have accounted according to what he did the rest of that year. Statistically for, speaking, sure. St- statistically speaking, he would have accounted for 2.4 runs over the course of nine games, not per game, over the course of nine. That was 2015. In 2015, the Cubs were in third place in the division. And had to be the second wild card team in the playoffs when they trailed the Pirates by only one game. Yeah, we had ninety eight so, wins. They had ninety seven, right? So would the would those two runs that he could have accounted for won them an extra game? Right. So this is kind of where it gets a little little crazy. Yeah, because when if you, you're planning on winning now. So we all know that Jake Arietta came into Pittsburgh and now we feel like he's got some evil spirit behind him because the way he pitched right after Bumgarner did it the year before. We all remember that. We're all mad about it. So it worked out for the stinking Cubs. <laughs> it is that. It's exactly what you're talking about. It could mean, I mean, what if that one game was the one game that kept them out of the wild card game? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if it knocked them completely out and that those two runs could have been in one game and it could have been the one game they needed a two run homer in to win it a hundred percent. Now that's just one way of looking at it. So the Padres looked at it that way and said, we want him for those nine games and the Cubs and apparently the Blue Jays, because they did this with Guerrero. They thought those nine games are fine. We'll keep them out for nine games this year to get him for an extra 150 six years from now. I actually still understand that argument. I I, I see it. I, I do. I get it too. It like, would be hard not to do that. Not yeah. to say, 
now we're going to go with what we got right now and just see, you know, it'd be hard because mm-hmm. all they have to say is I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him work on this just a little bit more for, I think for Chris Bryant, it was defense. And I'll tell you what, yeah. Chris, Chris Bryant filed a grievance and lost. So that proves right there that they're totally capable of doing this and getting away with it. And really, yeah. what are you getting away with? I mean, I don't know. That's that's the side of the argument from the team. I think it makes sense. And the, what hurts is that you do keep a player away from getting to that free agency a little bit earlier. And for one player who maybe hits free agency at 30, well, for instance, uh, right now, if Brian Reynolds just plays through this system, he will become a free agent at 31 years old. So we will have him through 2025, I think it is. He'll be a free agent for 2026 or after the 2026 year. I'm not sure, but he'll be 31. And the way we look at baseball right now, 31's like, eh, I might give you like four years if you're legit, but like yeah. you're not going to make the big money. You know what I mean? Right. So, I mean, I think that for the for the player, I can see where they have a problem with it. Like, hey, if you think I'm ready right now, let me get that clock started so I can get to free agency. Here we are, the Pirates saying, we don't want you getting a free agency. Free agency's garbage. Well, that's because we can't compete in a free agent market. Right. We can spend money on players, but the last player that we outbid another team was Russell Martin. We somehow outbid the New York Yankees for Russell Martin. It just doesn't happen. It happened because we were ready to win and and Huntington got a couple extra nickels to spend on the team at that point. Yeah. So I could see both sides of it. So here's the question. This is a question I have for you. As a fan, what do you think? Like, as a fan, what do you want? I know a lot of fans who are like, ah, oh, you make too much money anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, if you're, if, you're, if you're a fan who makes that argument, then you don't want him getting to free agency. So, if you say that players make too much money and you want somebody here on opening day that you think is ready, well, you can't have both of those things. Like, those are... You can't. No, those are two things that you have to be on opposite sides of. Yeah. And I, and I'll be completely open book. I, I don't really know exactly where I stand on this. I mean, I, I can, after digging into this a little bit, I can totally see both sides of the story. I understand yeah. both sides. And as a fan, I want to be competitive for as long as I can. And, and if that means I can't go out and buy players, why not hold on to that player? I am all for bringing guys up when they're ready, even maybe a hair before you think they're ready. Yeah. And I know that you and I have had this conversation before and you're always on me about bring this guy up. Yeah, let's go. But I get what I mean, even though I, I, so I guess that's the kind of the side of state. I see both sides and I get wanting to keep him an extra year but what if you bring him up now? Maybe we could win now. And I know one guy's not going to make a complete turnaround of a franchise necessarily. It's going to take, you know, a whole, a whole team, but I don't know. Sometimes it's like, just get them here and we can go. Do you think that, uh, I mean, I think I'm trying to think of like recent times where we've had a guy that's been like, Hey, this is a big time guy. We need to bring him up to help us win. And the, the one I keep thinking of is, Austin Meadows. Yeah. Is he a guy that, cause there's also another thing about your, your guys that you're wanting to be a superstar. 
it used to be you got called up and you were a backup and you played like off the bench for a couple of years until you earned a spot, right? Yeah. Or maybe even just a year. But now they're saying, no, if I want you to be really good, I want you to play every day. I'm going to leave you in AAA until I have a starting spot for you. Now you're actually looking at this saying like, no, I'm going to leave you in AAA until I have a starting spot for you because I don't want to start your clock. Yeah. But and it, and you're getting you're getting more of the older guys in baseball are becoming your bench players. Yeah. Yeah, baseball's broke, right? All the older guys <laughs> making more money are the backups and all the young guys making no money are the ones that are actually winning games. Yeah. Juan Soto gets World Series MVP and he's making $550,000 a year. And let me clarify one thing real quick. I don't know the numbers, but Matt Antonelli is a former first round draft pick. He has a YouTube channel, Matt Antonelli. He was a draft pick for the Padres. He moved around. I think the Padres, the Astros, I forget who actually drafted him. He broke in with the, with the team, was there for like a minute, moved around a couple things, signed some minor league contracts. He ended up not being in baseball for very long, but he is super transparent on his page. He has videos. Look them up. He has videos breaking down what minor league players make throughout all the the ranks and what it means to get that first call up and how much money it increases when you get that first call. He also makes a like he makes a comment that that really struck me and he's like you make your first minor league contract when he was called up I think the league minimum at that time was like 500,000 or 525 something like that. He said, after taxes, you really only take home about 200000 of that. You lose out on more than 50% of taxes. He also made a good point that whatever, like, if you're a player for the Pirates, then you're paying taxes to Pennsylvania because that's where you're employed. But if you're playing yeah. a game in Atlanta, you also have to pay, pay Georgia taxes for that day because you worked in Georgia that day. That's insane. Anyway, that's where all this comes in to say, that baseball's broke and we're not paying the young players enough. And I think maybe balance it out. Maybe uh, we'll get into like whether or not baseball should have a salary cap in another episode. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're pushing the time limits today uh, and stick with us here. We're pushing the time limits. This is a big topic. And I think as far as fans go, like this all, this stuff can seem like ah, it's a little digging deep for me, but at the same time, it does impact the way that, that you view these players and the way that you view pirates management and the way that they're going about their business, because some of it is like, okay, it makes sense. Yes, we should spend more money, but we can't spend that money on free agents because while we can pay a guy enough money to come here, we can't pay him more than the Dodgers are going to pay him. Right. Yeah. So how do you avoid all of this garbage, arbitration, super two, losing a guy to free agency, worrying about service time. You do this contract extension. There's a lot of teams doing it right now. The Pirates with under Huntington had done it with uh, McCutcheon, with Marte and Polanco, you know, the, what was supposed to be the dream outfield. They locked them all up early so that they never had to go through arbitration. They got paid early instead of those little rinky dink contracts. And because the team took a risk on the players, and I'll say a risk because as you can see, 
Marte's contract worked out. McCutcheon's contract workout worked out, but Polanco's did not. It's did, a risk. Didn't we also sign Jose Tabata to a contract? Yeah. And Jose Tabata. And that one well. didn't work out. And Josh Harrison was like a four year deal, but what it did was it bought his arbitration and one year free agency. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to keep him just a couple more years where, where at the time we signed that it was like, okay, well we plan on being a competitor throughout all four of these years. And I think the last two of them didn't work out, but you know, the idea is that you planned on it being what it was, or, you know, on it being through that, but you're taking a risk and the Harrison's a little bit different. It wasn't quite as much money, but the other three, two of them worked out for the team. The Polanco one did not. And you can see that we took a risk on this player. Polanco has now made $50 million of career earnings to be hurt most of the time. You know what I mean? Yep. Fun guy, works really hard, but he's he just he's got the injury bug and it sucks. But because of that, you know, that contract was a risk that the team made. And for as many that work out, there's probably these ones that don't. But we won't pick up the option for next year. If he was good, we'd do it. But I guess what it is, is a player, especially for guys like Marte and Polanco, take the $50 million because it's going to change the course of the rest of your family. Yeah. Even though you could have got to free agency two years earlier and could have maybe signed even a bigger deal, you accept that two years of, of free agency taken from you in order to be set for life with 50 million, I mean, set for life. Mm-hmm. And if by some means you get hurt every year or just don't pan out, then that, that free agency money that you bet on would be there is not there. And you end up making 10 million instead of 50 million. That's you're probably still changing your family's legacy. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're still buying yeah. mom and dad a house. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like it just might not be quite as big. Yeah. Well, and then your, your children are fine, but maybe not your children's children. Nah, they're probably fine too, but not their children. (laughs) Right. You know what I'm saying? Like somewhere along the line, somebody mismanaged money and it only goes to general. That's not the point. The point is the money's being made by the industry and the players are the product. That's my point about the money. But either way, if somebody offers you a job and it pays that you're going to accept it. You're not going to say, well, I don't know if I'm worth that. You're going to take the money. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, the only way to avoid this situation and maybe buy out a couple years of free agency is with these early career extensions. And those are the types, that's the type of money the pirates are capable of spending. Yeah. That's the type of money nutting is willing to give. So that's why we trade all these players because we need these young players to come up and then try to sign those players because we can't compete in the free agent market. We're just not going to do it. We're not going to outbid other teams. Right. I don't think it's just not going to happen that much. We have to rely on crafty trades and developing players and, and Huntington's regime didn't develop players and Sherrington's is supposed to. So I'm willing to say, and you've, you've said this, let's just see how well Sherrington does. Let's give him a chance. We have no reason not to believe it. Right. Give him a chance. See what he can produce. He's got a track record. And everybody around Major League Baseball who I've ever heard, not personally, but 
it follows him. You know, the track record follows. So I'm yeah. going to I'm going to take their word for it. They're the ones up there in the organizations. They're the ones seeing Sherrington and all he's doing. And, and they're the ones giving him the 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 praise saying that this guy, he knows how to build a team. He knows how to develop young talent. Well, yeah. Are there any of our players right now? And I mean this in context of not just the player, but where we are. And we're saying, when are we going to compete again? The plan is maybe what? 2023, 2024. And that's kind of where we're seeing this happen. So we're going to see a lot of players make debuts, probably more so next year than this year, but maybe some more this year. But specifically next year, get them some seasoning before the before we actually do start winning games with those players. But like who on our team in in context of where the Pirates are right now, are there any guys that we're saying like, let's go ahead and offer an extension to these guys so that we don't have to play this game? And I and I'll say first off, I know they've had conversation with Key Bryan. Yeah, I mean, that's the first guy, obviously, on on this list, you know. Of, of of guys that you're thinking of a big impact players. Brian Reynolds is, is a guy that you could think about. I want so 2020 was what was the first time in his life <laughs> that the dude batted under 300 in a season. Yeah. 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 So I don't expect that to happen again. And I don't expect him to hit 300 every year. No, no. Because but it's I don't major expect, league pitching. Yeah. Yeah. But, but what he did last year, that's not going to happen again. I think he profiles as a, like a mid power guy, 10 to 20 homers, 280. Let's say that 280 average. Sound good. Yeah. I mean, give or take bad year down to 260, good year back up to 300. But like throwing in, I mean, that's where he's at right now. Yeah. <laughs> he's at 280 with his bad year and his good year together. But I think the bad years don't end up that bad. The good years, Maybe end up that good, but you know we'll we'll see. 2019 is a rough year too. He's a line drive guy, so I don't think he really benefited from the juice ball. I see Brian Reynolds getting back to being a solid hitter, just as you do. But I think I'm still in to see one more year. Yeah, I think if he comes back and he shows that to me this year, then I'll talk about extension for Brian Reynolds because I think he can be a guy. Right now, we have control of him. Uh, up to, I think, 2026, he becomes a free agent. Yeah, through the 2025 season. So let's say we start winning in 23-24. We're going to have him, his arbitration years will be those years where we're competing. Yeah. So I could see you at least buying out the arbitration years, but I also think there's no reason to spend money on him right now. He's probably let it play out a little bit. I'd say let it play out because you got all those guys coming up. Yeah. Who will probably just take his spot when he goes. Yeah. And I don't think he's going to give you any of his free agent years because he'll be 31 when he hits the market. Right. I would have thought he would have been one until we just kind of riffed through that. Anybody else? I, those are the only two I thought of was was Key Brian and Brian Reynolds. But another interesting one for me would be Mitch Keller. This guy is he was very, very high on the prospect list. Yeah. And he kind of had a rough 2020, but 
Not 2020, right? 2019, he had a rough 2019, right? Yes, yes, yes. Because yeah. he was injured most of the year in 2020. Yeah, he made five starts he in 2020. He had a 291 year. ERA. Yeah, he finished out 2020 with 18 straight scoreless innings. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a pretty good streak to ride, and that's a pretty good streak to ride into this year, hopefully, you know. Another guy you got to let him see play out a little bit longer, but I mean, he's he's an interesting case. I think that'd be a good one. Pitchers are tough. They haven't really done that. I mean, once again, I say they haven't done it, but we're only talking about this is Sherrington. This is new. I can't say yeah. what the Pirates have done in the past because none of that matters anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, Mitch Keller. Let's say Mitch Keller, key Brian Hayes. Let's get him locked up. Mitch Keller becomes a free agent in 2026, the same as Brian Reynolds. He will be 29 years old. Pitchers last longer than hitters. Do you agree with that? I do. Okay. I guess what I think about that is like we talk about a lot of these guys producing early and then they sign these big deals and they don't produce. But like pitchers are not like that. Obviously, Garrett Cole goes away and just dominates. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you got Charlie Morton, Tyler Glasnow is probably are finally happening. But like Andrew McCutcheon hasn't had years the way he did in Pittsburgh. He hasn't had them since he left. And Starling Marte even right. hasn't played like he did in Pittsburgh. I like to see a guy spend his career somewhere, but it's a certain kind of player that you can keep forever. But guys like like we've seen come through our organization, they're just not the guys you can. But we've been doing good at trying to to get the most out of our players early. And then when they go, they haven't been producing as well as they did when they were with us. We've been doing a good job of getting the best players in their best years. If I'm yeah, saying the best years correctly. out of the players like Neil Walker, Josh Harrison, Jordy Mercer. None of those guys have been good when they left. Right. Neil Walker might have had one yeah. more year, but but yeah. No, he didn't. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little harder on him, but no, he didn't. By the way, I'd like to see Neil Walker come back. Maybe maybe shuffle in some time at first base next year. I think that'd be fun. Anyway, Absolutely. Uh, that's probably a talk for another day we're we're uh we're timing time constraints are coming up here i do have a couple uh i do have a couple notes on last week's episodes colin moran i i mentioned that his uncle was bj surhoff he also had an uncle named rich who also played really but his brother brian is a pitcher in the rays organization yeah dude he faced him i forgot all about this yeah, yeah, I remember. I, I believe it was Colin Moran struck out, and that was Brian's first career strikeout because they made like a big deal about it when it happened. Yeah, it was uh, Marlins, right? Yeah, yeah, for the Marlins. <laughs> so I had a cup of coffee with the Marlins, and I totally forgot about them even playing each other. So, yeah, another example of families and his grandfather played for the New York Knicks. So they're pretty athletic, that family. I just happened to be on his Wikipedia after we were talking about that anyway. Oh, by the way, Brian somehow has managed a two and O record with a six fifty five (laughs) ERA. 
There you go. Also, last thing I want to say for today's episode, I spent one night on the couch because of my comment on Ryan Domit being not a great catcher. So tell me I'm wrong all you want, but some things are more important than being right. I recant my previous statement. Ryan Domit was a fine catcher and a valuable asset to not only the Pittsburgh Pirates, but to my since-retired bobblehead collection. Thank you, Ryan Domit, for the memories. Mother, tell your children not to walk my way. (laughs) (laughs) Your wife is probably the biggest Ryan Domit fan in the United States. Yeah, I mean, he's not even their, her favorite player, and she's still the biggest Ryan Domit fan in the world. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, our wives are going to be on this podcast with us. That's going to be fun. Yes. All right, man. All right. <laughs> That's it for this week. Sorry it was a little bit long, but I just think that this is a topic that I feel like is important to us. It is. It's important to the fan base of the Pittsburgh Pirates and all small small market teams. Yeah. All right, man. See ya. All right. See you later.